Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation, Women in the Field. We're your hosts, Kara Parati and Kira Rust. Kara, how are you? Oh, I am good, Kira. How are you? Great. In the middle of a snowstorm, so stuck inside, but not mad about it. Wow. That's, um, honestly, I'm mildly jealous because Philly has gotten very little snow this season and it is like almost 50 degrees here today and it all feels wrong, but, um, yeah, I guess I can't complain. (laughs) I, we had a terrible winter last year and, um, I'm hoping to go up to the mountains to ski more this year. So I'm not mad about some, some inches of snow. Yeah, I got to get out there and um, ski for the first time in ages and also try not to fall too many times. <laughs> yeah, and not break yourself. <laughs> not break every bone in my body, yes. But. Uh, thinking about the mountains and thinking about the north, we have a delightful guest living in Canada with us. Val, welcome to Shatter. Thank you. Val was born and raised in France, except for the five years as an expat in Saudi Arabia. Her love for traveling and exploring cultures led her to living in Germany, Spain, China, and Morocco. Following all that exploration, she moved to Canada five and a half years ago. And as we're recording this, it's the day after her five years anniversary at Rockwell. Congrats. She's, uh, Congrats. Got ex- Thank you. <laughs> She's got experience in the tourism and professional service industry, as well as four years in, as an export manager in an industrial software company in France and is currently an industry account manager after being an OEM account manager for four years. On a personal note, she takes on adventure with, without a concrete plan on where to go other than living arrangements and has embarked on this journey twice by herself and once with her boyfriend. Belle is a theater amateur, speaks five languages professionally, and three is a tourist. Just like her colorful life, Val's career is loaded with a variety of experiences, and Val has two children, aged three and a half and one and a half years old. Val, we are so excited to talk with you today. So I will say welcome to Shatter Val. Um, Speaking of skiing in France, the only time I've skied over the last probably five or 10 years was in France. And so when I go visit uh, Kira, that'll be um, the last place I had skied, but. um, Maybe it was near my hometown. It's a ski place. Oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, I come from Grenoble, surrounded by mountains. So oh, maybe you pass through my hometown on your way to ski. Oh wow! Yeah, I was in the Alps. I was staying in Chamonix. I don't know if I said yeah. that right, but cool. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. That's right. That's not far from not far from where my parents live. Oh, very cool. Oh, I love that. It was quite possibly one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. So, <laughs> what a wonderful place to grow up. Um. Yeah. But uh, Val, I think in your intro and your travels and different experiences, um, it only makes sense that we adopt cultural curiosity as the title of our discussion. Um, As we came across it in research for today, uh, we thought it was fitting for our conversation. How does that feel for you? That's a good idea. Val, I'd imagine that just like me, a lot of our, our listeners have heard a lot about 
being curious and not necessarily heard it called cultural curiosity. The definition of cultural curiosity refers specifically to the wonder, discovery, and understanding of people from different cultural backgrounds in the ways they feel, think, communicate, behave, and interact. Cultural curiosity also encompasses the deep motivation to learn and empathize with different ways of working and living, which can include the culture's values, beliefs, norms, and customs. What are your thoughts about this definition and how would you define cultural curiosity? For me, and I agree with the definition, uh, for me, cultural curiosity is being genuinely interested in other people and in other people's way of living. And um, also coming from a place of non-judgment, this is really important because this is the only way we're going to be able to embrace a culture that is not our own culture. I think the non-judgment is key. I wonder if there's an element of, you know, it's that unconscious bias. Sometimes you feel like, why are you saying it this way? Or why are you doing it this way when interacting with people that maybe you're, you're unfamiliar with their culture? I'm curious in your experience, if that's something that you've battled with. I've learned about biases uh, through Rockwell, through the amazing webinars that we're exposed to through our Wi-Fi. And uh, I thought it was a very interesting concept. And it knowing about it um, helps being non-judgmental because we can remember once in a while to take a break and think, are we being judgmental? Because we do this without noticing and everyone makes judgment in their heads and everyone has biases. The difference between people who are tolerant and who are not is the people who can recognize it. Being able to recognize it and uh, taking a step back to think, oh, maybe I should, I, I hadn't seen things this way. And for years, I had thought this was quote unquote normal in my world. But now I realize that in this person's point of view, it is not normal. So yes, biases are an important part of reflecting on being judgmental. I think that's such an important point too, especially as we're having this conversation, because I think a lot of people want to say or live in a world where they don't think they have any biases, but that's more the issue than anything else. We actually just need to know where they're stemming from and be able to address it to be non-judgmental, yeah, not pretend totally. like it doesn't exist. I think I want to add to, um, it feels like a lot of the, the conversation, it's easy to maybe limit the scope of what we think of when it comes to unconscious bias, the communities around you, let's say. But when you expand that to the whole globe, um, it can get complicated pretty quickly. And, and I wonder if that level of complexity occurred to you, Val, traveling to so many different places and so many different cultures, or if it, if it gets easier with time to read the room, so to speak. I think both. Um does get easier to read the room. Being exposed to a different culture, we have this sensitivity. And by knowing someone comes from a different culture, I will, I will maybe interpret or understand what, where they come from. At the same time, it makes it also more complex because I think I know. I've lived, like you said, I've, they've lived in Morocco for two years. So I made a Moroccan person and 
I, I don't know much of their culture, but I did live here for two years. So I think I know. So I also have to constantly remind myself that it's not because I lived there 10 years ago for two years that I know this person. This is a new person that I'm meeting and, uh, and I'm drawn to them a bit because Morocco remains my, my country of heart, but I have to remember they are, they are them as an individual and they are not representative of my former roommates or my former my, my friends over there. So it, it, it is complex at the same time that it is easy. Yeah, I mean, you even consider putting a, a bunch of, um, you know, Americans from across the country in the same room and the different cultural backgrounds there just because I know Kira and she grew up in Alaska doesn't mean that I know what it's like or what every person I interface with from Alaska would be like, you know, so. Well, there's only like 10 of us. So luckily that's not top of mind. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll meet them all. <laughs> and I can. For over 30 years, Rockwell Automation Remanufacturing Services have provided our customers with an environmentally friendly option of reducing landfill and enabling the circular economy. Our processes and rigorous testing lead to a remanufactured product with quality metrics that approach those of our new products. This allows us to confidently back our remanufactured products with a warranty that is comparable to, or better than, new products. We are also conserving resources and helping prevent pollution with conversion to energy efficient equipment, energy reduction initiatives, and sustainable facility design. Our corporate goals and regulatory compliance efforts reinforce our commitment to improving the circular economy. Whether remanufacturing our customers' equipment or implementing practices at our own facilities, Rockwell Automation is working every day to achieve more sustainable outcomes for our customers, ourselves and our communities. So in your bio, we talked about you knowing eight languages in total. And that yes. kind of sparks the question, what next is she going to do? Um, what are those languages that you've learned and how how did you become so proficient in what five of those eight? Mm hmm. Well, uh, so French is my mother tongue, so that's easy. Um, I learned English and German at university, and I watched a lot of American TV shows, so that helped too. And uh, after that, I was always interested in the Spanish language, the sound of it. So I decided to go there, and I went to Andalusia for one summer, worked as a waitress, and learned with uh, colleagues and customers and friends that I made there. And um, for the Italian, uh, it's because in my old uh, job in a, in a startup, a software startup in, uh, in industrial automation, I was doing business in Italy. And I quickly realized that doing business in Italy without speaking Italian is difficult. Uh, so I told uh, my company that I needed Italian lessons to penetrate the market, and I did. I mean, learn Italian and penetrate the market. And it was great. I was, uh, I had an amazing teacher. And a year later, I was able to give a, a conference in a SPS in Parma. So I was very lucky to have this. And 
Yeah, and for the other three languages, I, I wouldn't be able to use them because sadly, it takes a lot of effort to learn a language, but it's very easy to forget. But I've learned Arabic in Morocco and Russian in Russia and Chinese in China when I was when I was there. And every time with private lessons, making friends who did not speak any other language. So because I'm a very talkative person, I didn't have a choice. That is um, beyond impressive to me as someone who um, really can struggle to learn languages. But uh, also, I think the really grounding and connecting piece of so many learning languages through being able to pick things up from TV shows or from just simply wanting um, human connection with others in the places that they are is really beautiful and lends itself to that, uh, you know, cultural curiosity, right? How can you really dive into that entirely if you, you can't even communicate with those around you, whether it be in the language you first learned or um, in their native language. So, yeah. And I love the business case for learning Italian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes so much sense. Now I'm scheming like, wait, can I, how do I, <laughs> how do I learn another language on the job? <laughs> um, Val, I'm, I'm curious if you can tell us why you decided to leave your home base and travel to an unknown place. What did those decisions look like? And how has that changed your approach in your daily life, both at home and at work? That's a that's a big, scary move for a lot of people. It is, and it was scary for me too. I guess I was always drawn to the excitement of the unknown. Uh, and what worked was that it worked. It worked the first time. I was anxious about it, but I went through it and I went through it by myself. And then I will. I was. I was very proud um, of having achieved it. And uh, I realized that I liked uh, doing this because I liked the fact of going outside of my zone of comfort. That this is what you're doing when you're going off your home base and you don't know anyone and you take the plane or the train or the bus. When I went to Spain, it was the it was the bus. All you have is your luggage and your uh, yourself. It's it's really outside of that zone of comfort, but there is so much comfort in doing this over and over. And it it is it is scary every single time. Even even the the last time I did it was to move to Canada with my boyfriend, so I wasn't I wasn't alone. Um, Plus, his company was providing everything for the move. So it was much, much easier than the other times. But I still felt anxious. But I kind of learned to like that anxiety and that, uh, that little sparkle of fear. And then, and then what reassures me is telling myself that I've done it before. And I went through it. And I'm going to, it, it's going to work. And it, it, it always does. You made friends with your sparkle of fear. <laughs> it sounds like. <laughs> I can. Yep. Yes. That's beautiful. And such a hard thing to do, not only in this way, but just in life in general. Um, was there anything, I guess, you said it was kind of the end result that things all work out. Is that the main 
thing that you were able to tell yourself to get over that fear and, and make friends with that spark? I think so. Um, this is the end result is that I found that it because I'm so drawn to other people's culture and traveling, it's like maybe easier uh, over time. But then I transferred it to other stuff like being out of my zone of comfort in a new industry or in a new at work. It is frightening. You get a new list of customers or a new industry or a new role. And you're like, am I going to to I, I was successful in my previous role and now they're expecting me to be successful again. How am I going to achieve that? And what always helps me is to remember that I've I've done it. I've moved in another country. So this is the same. It's taking on a new role is the same as moving away from a country. You change you you change sort of the home base because you change teams, you change managers sometimes. Um, customers and uh, you start over but with the feeling that you are capable of starting over and I think I think this this was the outcome is is transferring it to other spheres uh, than the, the traveling piece I forget exactly how you worded it but the getting over that fear of starting over feels really impactful and important and cultural curiosity bringing you to that point, not only in your travels, but in your life in general feels so cool. And I think that uh, a lot of us, including myself, could stand to remind ourselves a little bit more. It all works out. It always ends up working out. Yeah. There's so much wisdom in that, especially in the world we live in today. It feels like everything is changing constantly. Um, and, and constantly evolving. So to be able to go back to find yourself in that place through your own experiences and trust yourself to make it through that. It's really cool. And to not uh, hold on to things, you know, so tightly that you can't be free to like ebb and flow through what life is creating in front of you feels um, really important. Uh, so that is absolutely a benefit to the the cultural curiosity that that you've exemplified. Are there other ways that your cultural curiosity has helped you navigate life or difficult times? Um, where has that come into play? There are, there are many many benefits, and the main benefits is is learning, like I said, but it's also sharing. When I'm culturally curious, I learn things and I'm encouraged to uh, think differently myself, but then to pass it on in turn to others so that they do think differently and, and it's, it's beneficial to everyone. And how it helped me, it puts me in a mode, in a going with the flow mode that I tend to adopt when I'm on holidays. And uh, people who work with me would be surprised to learn this because at work I'm the kind that is that has the schedule like everything very scheduled by the minute and it's organized and it's in folders and it's like boom 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 but when I'm on holidays I just go with the flow so if I'm visiting a country and I'm and I'm meeting people I will be culturally curious to meet them and understand what what they do how they are how they eat exchange with them and if it means that 
I only have two days in Beijing and I meet these amazing people. They're going to show me stuff about their culture and I won't have time to visit the Great Wall. So what? I'm not going to do the mass visits and I'm going to stick with just going with the flow and doing how I feel, just doing things the way I feel in the moment. You've, you've asked for how, like examples of this and I can, I can give you one. And one I, I remember very dearly, it's um, <clears throat> when I first came to Morocco, I had a, so my company, I, I was, <clears throat> this was my out of college internship. So the company had booked a hotel for a couple of nights. Then I had to find a place for myself. And I had found a place in Couchsurfing, which is a platform like Airbnb, except it's for free. <clears throat> I used it a lot when I traveled. Now it doesn't work as much because Airbnb exists and people who have a spare guest room uh, tend to put in an Airbnb, which brings money. <clears throat> so I go out of my hotel with all my luggage, lots of luggage because um, I was there for six months and I take a taxi, give him the place uh, where I was going to be hosted and we go there. I knew it was Ramadan, but I was completely oblivious to the fact that tour actually was starting in like 40, 45 minutes. So we drive there. And when we arrive, there's nobody. There's literally nobody. So I start messaging the person on the platform. I, I, I don't get any answer. And uh, the taxi driver takes his own phone, calls the guy, no answer, nothing. And so I see the the time for the for the the tour so the the break of the of the fast is coming up so i tell the taxi driver okay so drop me to any hotel that is not too expensive and that's it and he says it's too late already <laughs> the tour has almost started and it's too late everything's closed so you won't go anywhere and i cannot leave you in the street just come to come come with me and so he brings me to his sister's place who has never seen me before and welcomes me with open arms with her like five, five years old son to share their meal. And we were communicating to, through the taxi driver because she didn't speak much French. And yeah, we had, we had this amazing dinner or tour. Uh, it was delicious. And after that, they insisted that I stayed the night and they said, no, no, you're not going to go to a hotel. You just stay here. And I ended up staying for three days. And it was the best experience ever the taxi driver would even because he he didn't sleep at his sister place out of respect for me he went to his own place so it's just alone with the sister but every morning he went to pick me up to bring me to my to my job and bring me back in the evening so it was it was just great and I stayed in touch and I was invited to to celebrate the idol kabir with them with the the, the feast with the the sheep so yeah, just all of this, this amazing experience this, that stays in my heart to this day, just because in the moment I decided to go with the flow and we'll see. Wow. So very thankful for this. That is such a powerful story. I, it, I would be so scared. I'm not exactly a go with the flow kind of gal. I really work on it. <laughs> I really try. <laughs> As we're recording this, I'm in a turtleneck and my hair is in a tight bun. And I think that sums me up pretty well. I love that story. It feels like there's so much of that that you can take into your day-to-day -day life too, not even putting yourself in that situation. And, and that says a lot about you, Val. Yeah, that is. And 
a touching and just absolutely all around wonderful story and just like a story of human connection in so many ways. And I don't know, generosity and kindness of strangers. It's just so beautiful. And um, I think you touched on something else, which is a, a lot of us, I believe, try to do travel and experiencing different places perfectly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes letting go of that and having the conversations or, you know, going to a stranger's home is where you are going to learn more than potentially visiting this thing that's on your bucket list. Um, and so I think that's a really cool piece of that story too. Would you say your curiosity for cultures has sparked more empathy for individuals that are different from you? And how much has this changed since you took on traveling and exploring cultures from just kind of your upbringing. Uh, while I was preparing for this topic, I, I came across an article that talked about how cultural curiosity makes a good global leader. And with your active leadership in RA Wi-Fi as the global expansion lead, would you agree with this assessment? And what tools have you been able to utilize from your cultural curiosity journey in this role and in this capacity? I agree with the statement. Um, cultural uh, curiosity has brought me to learn in other spheres, uh, like I mentioned, and uh, something I discovered recently, um, or I discovered the concept recently, maybe I was, hopefully I was doing this before, it's active listening. It's not listening, it's not talking, it's active listening. And um, I think it's the same concept it goes inside the same concept of being very non-judgmental and open listening to to others but it has this additional component of um, being very active in in the in the in the engagement which which is a different way of putting it but uh, in the stories with with that I that I told in the discussions we've had um, before, it, you have to be engaged. Um, it's not only about listening. You have to be really engaged with the uh, with the other other person uh, to really deeply understand where they come from and why they would have this attitude. And as a as a lead of the uh, the global expansion, uh, I had this uh, this um, attitude, and uh, with this, it was it was. Uh, it was necessary in the approach. So part of this role was to reach out to different culture, uh, to different, sorry, to different um, entities in the world, uh, in Asia Pacific, in Europe, in, in Latin America, and talk to the leaders to understand how our Wi-Fi would be beneficial to employees over there, what, what, um, what they were needing, and taking that neutral approach was very good because I realized that you cannot really start with uh, with assumptions and uh, and general statements you think everyone agrees on. For example, you cannot assume that the priority of every single place is to have gender equity and reduce gender bias. It's some parts of the world. It's just not the priority. They have they have others and uh, starting by 
not only asking the question to direct the answer, but really doing that active listening, explaining where what the outcome is, what the objective is, and then being like, okay, so what's the situation in your country? And I've heard in some places, they're like, well, we don't really have this same issues or here because, well, there are no women at all because they're not qualified. So it's just a very different perspective um, of, of, uh, of how you approach the, the how you approach when gender equity, whether you look at uh, retaining recruitment or whether it starts outside of the company itself. So yeah, I would say um, empathy is, a, is the right word because it is the number one quality you need to avoid being judgmental and to welcome the other person's perspective even if sometimes you have the feeling that it differs from your values, it does not matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, like you said, that deep listening and putting things into context because so much of leadership and, and I feel like the, a lot of the world is feeling this in business too. A lot of leadership needs to be responding to the workforce, which requires a deep level of empathy and understanding and putting things into context to make change that's actually affecting people's lives. And that has a ripple effect through the organization. I think when that's done well, and that's done correctly in a truly global organization. Yeah. And I think, uh, what you spoke to on, you know, your priorities might not align, your values might not even align with the information that you're getting back is, you even have to let go of a lot of ego, it sounds like, before you can jump into that conversation and approach it from an empathetic viewpoint. Would you say that that is true for, for leaders who want to, you know, utilize cultural curiosity and, and how this really does help leadership? I think it's true. And I think the outcome is that they will uh, enable the, emp the empathy from the other person. So being, coming with that state of mind of being very empathic, empathetic and, uh, and actively listening gives the space to the other person, not only to share their point of view, but also to be open themselves as opposed to coming in with a statement or a direction that is um, very strong would put the other person immediately in a defensive mode um, because they will sense that maybe they're not doing the thing the right way. They're not following the direction. And if they're in a defensive mode, they won't even try to understand why there is a reasoning behind that strategy. And I'm, I'm not only here talking about uh, our Wi-Fi global expansion, obviously I'm talking about um, business strategies the best way to, to expand a business strategy, whatever it is, is to first uh, give the space to the other person or the other group of person to express what their situation is. And they would be very inclined to, uh, to follow or to understand why there is a, a global strategy in place and the, 
the benefits they could they could have from this in their territory. Yeah, uh, it sounds like through those conversations and and your uh, cultural curiosity, um, you've done a lot of learning over the years. That that's been a key piece of who you are. Um, I think Kira and I both are on the same page that all learning really is is good and knowledge is useful. Um, it sounds like you do, but is that the same approach that you take? It is. Um, and constantly learning is a is an objective of mine. Um, if if um, sometimes we think that uh, this learning about this subject might be a waste of time because we don't see the interest, it does not matter as long as we're learning. Another example of this is uh, talking with someone who you completely disagree with. And I have an example. I have a colleague at Rockwell I really appreciate. I appreciate him as a person. We just happen to have very different political views, but we're not trying to convince each other. When we meet, we have this political sort of debate on various subjects and we never agree, but we're not trying to convince the other. We're trying to learn from the other. And uh, I enjoy talking from this person because if we were only debating with people who we agreed with, it, would, it wouldn't elevate the debate. It's, uh, it's even more interesting to have those conversations with someone who has opposite views. And um, yeah, learning is, is, the key, is the key driver. I, I wanna point out too, I, there's this book and admittedly I've never read it, but I love the premise. I think it's Daniel Kahneman, if I'm saying his name right, thinking fast and slow. And the idea is basically that anything you learn psychologically translates to other areas of your life. So there's a lot of science to back that, that theory that, you know, you don't always need to learn the same subject. I I suppose it's maybe a little bit different from a business setting. If you're an expertise or you're like a, a deep domain expert on your subject, but the adventures that you have in life, the things that you learn, the conversations that you have, they all play into your learning and your development as a human being which of course directly helps your job or whatever it is that you're doing in any other facet of life. And I would challenge that even those with really, really deep expertise in a subject area still could stand to learn in aspects like these, right? That Mm -hmm. touch every part of your life and that it only makes people better in the business and personal realm. Um, after they do so. Absolutely. Now, when it, when it comes to curiosity, um, how would you begin the journey of being curious about another culture without having to travel? Do you think that's a possibility? I I know there's a lot of people that, um, don't necessarily have travel as a priority. It, It is. And I love that you asked the question. I still love traveling. And sometimes I, I'm also questioning if if travel will change with how it affects the planet. So I think it's a great question to ask. How can we mm-hmm. travel without traveling? There are many ways, reading, watching documentaries, but my personal favorite is meeting people. Must have <laughs> uh, understood by now. 
the ways to meet people could be attending cultural celebrations in a in a town being invited by a foreign family to celebrate a a particular event i've started something with my we've started something with my family a couple months ago it's called work away we have a guest room uh that we're not using except for when parents visit which is not all the year and the idea is, I, I mentioned couchsurfing before in our conversation, it is very similar, except they register on a platform and they offer help in exchange. It can be anything. We have renovations in our house they can help with. This week, my spouse went on an unexpected business trip and I'm alone with the kids and a full-time job and lots to do. And I, the, the person who's here at the moment is also going to help with just daily life. And that's that's another that's another thing to to be experienced to meet people uh, because yes she will help previous pe people who came uh, before her we had three so far they helped a lot around the house but most importantly we had these conversations this amazing conversations like one of them was someone from Tasmania how lucky I am to meet someone from Tasmania. This this doesn't come every day. And I don't know if I ever will travel to Tasmania one day. I had the the chance to talk to him about his country and his culture and the beautiful country he's from. So this is this is just an example. So I'm making some advertising for this platform because it's it's very recent. So I'm very excited about the concept. Yeah, that's really cool. The I, I think the idea that people can travel to you also and that you don't have to travel and go somewhere but even that people exist just in your neighborhood and your world already that you could interface with and just finding those ways is a uh, is a really cool way to get culturally curious without you know leaving your home even and exposing your family to new things yeah. too Yes. Oh, I, I, that part, that part is also a big motivator. So the person who's here at the moment, she's German, so she doesn't speak a word of French. So my children have to speak English with her. Well, one of them doesn't speak at all, so that's easy. And the other one is learning and she's forced to learn. And she has to get out of her zone of comfort if she wants to interact with her roommate. And I'm sure that that has been a challenging but fun experience as well and kind of testing that in the way that we talked about earlier where if you want to interface with someone there's no better way to practice a language or be motivated to learn and giving your kids that feeling mm -hmm. that you talk about of like like befriending your fear a little bit in a very safe environment they're at home they get to meet people that they they wouldn't normally in their daily life and understand how to again, read the room, so to speak, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So kind of our, our last question here is, do you have any other tips that you'd want to share with the audience that uh, could help them become more culturally curious outside of kind of the topics that we've already touched on? Any other apps? <laughs> should we should we make yeah. an advertisement of all the travel apps? I'm learning a lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I do have I do have a couple of tips. The first one I can think of is try to diversify the source of information. Maybe ask others where they where they take their news, what, what news channel they listen to, and especially if they're foreigners and you don't need to speak other languages. But in Canada, there are a lot of 
foreigners and uh, or immigrants and what did they listen to so that you get all their perspectives and another one is asking questions about the culture and I did not do this in the beginning I was a big proponent of in Rome you live like a Roman so I was imitating and I was going with the flow but when I started this being acquainted with the culture I wasn't asking a lot of questions and after a while I realized that I wasn't doing everything right but people won't tell you because they're very polite so when I came to Canada I learned to ask those questions and it's even more important in a country that is a bit similar in terms of culture and and Quebec is French speaking so you could mistake you could do a mis- make a mistake and think the culture is the same it is not and specifically asking people about how they typically live and not make assumptions is good i mean observing is a very good thing what i found most useful is making comments like oh i've seen here that people don't take a lot of time for lunch is it typical is it just uh, is it a good observation that i made and then they would tell me yes and here we t- we don't take two hours to lunch like french people <laughs> so asking questions about the culture and about th- how things are done to make sure that the observations are indeed correct is is a best way to learn beautiful val thank you so much this this conversation has been so insightful you have so much wisdom through your lived experience and um And I love the app recommendations, frankly, (laughs) for the times that we don't have the money to travel or we can't travel, or like you said, it's not great for the planet. Um, I want to thank you for putting yourself out there and and, um, sharing your life and recommendations with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I really enjoyed this time with you guys. Yeah, thank you. Us too. We are so grateful to have you on.